It's good to be with you this morning, and um, I am going to be sharing with you about the church, essential, not optional. And the reason I am doing a message on this is because under the circumstances that we've been in this last summer, uh, there has been a sense or a tendency for some people to think, well, I can... I can attend church online, uh, which, listen, if it wasn't for that, we'd really be in a, in a bad spot because if this would have happened 10 years ago, we wouldn't have all the capability we do now to live stream, as, especially for most of our churches. But there's a tendency to think, well, if I can do this online, why do I need to come to a building? And, uh, and so this is a, a topical message. Generally, we would uh, do a verse-by-verse verse message, uh, but I am doing this message uh, as a topical message on the church. Now, I love the church. I pastored churches for almost 30 years. Now I work with churches in Central Association of all different sizes uh, and languages, and I get to meet with them and worship with them and, and fellowship with them. I love the church that I was a part of when I came to Christ at 27 years old. And I love how that church uh, helped me develop as a believer and sense the call and confirm that call in my life to, to be one who would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and to become a pastor. I love the churches that I've been allowed to pastor over the years, the smaller churches in rural communities where the fellowship is so deep and intense and where you know everyone. You're kind of in a, in a fishbowl in many of these communities. Uh, they know when you're home and when you're not home just by looking down the road. Uh, they know everything about you. And, uh, and it's, uh, not everybody can do that, but we loved it. We loved the fellowship and the family atmosphere that we had. And I love the larger church as well. Because the, the larger body of Christ is able to do some things that many of our small churches can't do. Just because it has more resources and it has more people and, and more things are involved. Uh, but I also love the church globally. I love the fact that when we are on mission trips, we can go and, and go to a, a service in the Ukraine or a Romanian church or a Russian church. And even though we don't understand the language, we can still sense the presence of God and we can worship with them in spirit and in truth. I love the fact that the essential church uh, is very well embedded in many countries where they are under great oppression, where they are even under persecution because the body of Christ, those true believers in Jesus Christ, uh, will do whatever it takes to try and gather together as a body with the little resources that they have, sometimes going at night, sneaking into homes to be with one another. They understand the value of the body of Christ and the importance of the fellowship of that body. When we were in the Ukraine many years ago, back in the 90s, I think it was 1993 on a mission trip, uh, we worked, uh, or actually this was in Russia, we worked with a, a, a pastor and went through villages outside of Omsk, Russia, and, uh, and we went from one village to another throughout that week and, and did evangelism and ministry. And in the one area, uh, we were meeting in a house, uh, a little house uh, in this very small village that had a common well. Uh, that's where they got their water. 
Um, but there were two young men in that church, and they would go and walk two miles to help a lady who was in a wheelchair, and they would push her down a rutted road for, for that two miles just to get her to the place where they could have fellowship together with other believers. They were never constrained by time. Time didn't mean anything to them. They're, the important thing for them was that they needed to be together, that they needed to worship together, that they needed to sing praises to Jesus together. And they would spend the afternoon, and then those two young men would push her that two miles back to her home over a rutted road. In our country, we've kind of had a tendency to start thinking of the church as just something we do not something we are. And that's really the essence of this church. Now, let me say this, that this is not a political statement at all. Uh, this is a, an eternal truth. The church is essential to the, to the kingdom of God. It's essential to the believers of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. People that say, you know, I don't have to go to church don't understand what the church is. They don't understand the importance of the church. And, and so I wrote this out a few weeks ago. And let me read this to you because I think uh, from my point of view, this somewhat helps me understand what the church is. And this is what I had written out. The church, the ecclesia, that is the called out assembly, is essentially relational. It requires relationships. It requires participation and partnership. It requires the collaboration of spiritual giftedness for preaching and teaching, discipleship, evangelism, and ministry in a local community. Now, certainly the outcome of that is, is a global impact as well because we begin in Jerusalem. We uh, go to Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the, of the earth. But we need the body of Christ to be meeting and not meeting in a building, we meet what I call a facility. This entire structure is not the church, but it facilitates the ministry of a church. They are resources that we use to help us reach out into a community. Jesus loved his church, and those who are his church should love his church as well. And there should be a sense that we have that when we are not able to meet in fellowship, that there's a great desire to do so. And as I work with pastors and churches and talking with people who are believers, one of the great desires is that anticipation when we can come back together in unity and fellowship again, when we can walk into a Sunday school class and see the people that we've seen on the internet and we can shake their hand or we can give them a hug and we can see how we can encourage them and we can pray with them. There's a big difference in that and what we do on the internet. Now, I am so grateful that we have those capabilities that we can reach out. Trudy and I are part of, of Merv's Sunday School class. We've been uh, Zooming that class the last few weeks, and, and I love it. I love the group. Uh, we have, uh, there's great conversation, there's great fellowship, and there's a good sense of how we can communicate and relate to one another. But I shared with someone a few weeks ago about the difference between the internet relationship and the personal relationship. We have a daughter who lives in Apex, North Carolina, which is part of the Raleigh, uh, North Carolina uh, city. And uh, we get to Zoom with them. She has a five-year-old and a 
little boy who's about a little over 18 months old right now, Cameron. I have not been able to see him. I have not been able to be there since he's been born. So we communicate on Zoom. And there's a big difference between what I see him doing and enjoying his presence than what we will experience in a couple of weeks when we go there and get to hold him and get to play with him and get to just sense him. Big difference between those two things. We should have a great desire to come back and commune with one another and fellowship with one another and encourage one another. And so that's what this message is about. In the early church, in Acts chapter 4, we'll look at that a little bit later, uh, that's when the church was in its early stages. Thousands of people had come to Christ at that point. Uh, they were new. They were excited. Uh, they were under stress, many of them. They didn't know what this would really be like. But God began to work in the church and be, began to develop them. And, and there are certain characteristics that we'll see from that church. But let me give you seven reasons why the church is important, why it's essential, why it's not optional. And that doesn't mean that when you're out hunting or, or you're out on your own and you really can't gather with others that, that you can't worship God because you certainly can. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered in his name. The Holy Spirit is present with them and among them. And they can worship and they can sing and they can praise and do those things. But the essential uh, capabilities and the value of the body of Christ as a community of believers is even greater than that fellowship that you might have with one or two people. And it's necessary and it is essential to the proclamation of the gospel and the growing of the kingdom of God. Well, let me give you some reasons. The first is the scripture tells us that we are to be in worship with others. We are to gather with one another. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as the second coming is approaching, which it has been and it is, and we're getting closer all the time to that time when the Lord will return, even though we don't know when it is, we should be desiring to come together in fellowship. We should want to be gathering. Now, I know that under certain restrictions, we are somewhat hindered with that, but there's still ways that we can encourage and strengthen one another, even under these circumstances. That just means that we are more creative. We find different ways to do things that we can't when we are joined together as the body of Christ. But this doesn't give us an option. It tells us that we are not to give up meeting together. And so we want to come together as a body of Christ. We are anticipating that time when we can come together and worship again. You know, one of the things that I, that I love about uh, the body of Christ is uh, whether I'm pastoring or whether I'm, I, I was a, a member of a church, um, when you are there on a Sunday morning and you see someone come through those doors and they're coming in, when, when you know them, when you're in fellowship with them, when you are, have a relationship with them, many times you can tell whether they've had a good day or a good week or a bad day or a bad week. You can tell just by their countenance how things are going in their life. And if you know them and have a relationship with them, you can walk up to them and say, hey, man, how's it going? Looks like maybe you're not doing so great. Maybe there's something going on in your life. 
Why don't you let me pray with you about it? It's hard to do that over the internet. It's hard to do that over the phone. You can get information, you can communicate, but you really have a difficult time relating to someone else. And we should know one another. Even in a church that's very large, you have a community within that church that you have connected with. That's why I encourage people to be in a Bible study, to be in a Sunday school class. We need that kind of fellowship. We need Bible study together. We need to encourage one another and to hold hands and to pray with one another in that, in that situation. So I really, really encourage you, if you're not part of a Bible study, become part of one. Uh, you can do it online right now. Uh, these Zoom classes, uh, again, they're not the best, uh, but they're, they're really good. And I encourage you to be a part of that and grow in your walk with Christ. Secondly, as born-again believer, you are gifted with spiritual gifts to, that are to be used in the ministry of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Listen, if you are not with a community of believers, your giftedness cannot be utilized to the extent that God would desire it. As an individual, you can't do all the ministry of a church, of a body of Christ. You don't have the gifts for that. You have certain gifts. You have some specific gifts. And without others around you to help you fulfill your giftedness and carry that out to the, the, to the extent that God wants you to, it will not happen. You cannot be all things to all people. You have to be who God created you to be. But when we put all of the people of God together, whether it's a small church or a medium or a large church, all of those gifts are manifested. And it's like a piece of the puzzle. We have the body of Christ, and you are a part of that picture. And without you, there's, you're, there's something lacking. In, and you're, that spiritual giftedness, that ministry isn't being fulfilled if you are not part of it. So you need to find a place where you can worship. You need to find a body of believers that you can be a part of, that you can be, uh, fulfill that piece of the puzzle in ministry for them. He gave us one another to fulfill the purpose of the church. Third, we are to encourage one another through the body of Christ. In Romans 12, verses 4 through 7, the scripture says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given. And we are partners in ministry. So we come together, we have our spiritual giftedness, we have a mission, the, the church uh, is in alignment with what its purpose is, uh, it's to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, uh, to do all sorts of things. You are part of that, and through your ministry, through your giftedness, you encourage one another to help strengthen one another in the Lord, and to fulfill your calling and your mission. And it's through that that we become partners in the gospel. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1, and he said, I thank my God every time I think of you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, from you resounds the word of God. It's like a rippling effect that their impact of the proclamation of the gospel and their ministry and their serving and their loving was rippling out to those way beyond their own city. We are to encourage one another through the body of Christ. Again, we can do it over the internet when we have to, but ideally, the greater value is in the personal relationship and the personal responsibility to do so. Fourth, as we will see in the passage this morning, it is through the body of Christ that he calls men and women to ministry and the missions and confirms their calling. We see in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, where the Holy Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas, and the church at Antioch fasted and prayed for them, laid hands on them, and sent them off on their first missionary journey. This is one of the very important and essential parts of the body of Christ. When you become part of a body of believers, uh, you have those relationships. We, we can see, you can see in others how God is working in their life. You can see it through their sacrificial service. You can see it through their commitment. You can see how they love one another, how they encourage one another, how they strengthen one another, how they're growing and maturing in Christ. You see those things, and the Holy Spirit may be calling someone in a body of Christ for missions work, or to become a pastor, or a teacher of some kind, or an evangelist. But God does that through the body. And in the church at Antioch, they began to see the things within Paul and Barnabas that indicated that God, through the Holy Spirit, was calling them out. They saw it, they experienced it, and they confirmed it for them so that they could bring them to the church and they could lay hands on them, which is really an affirmation of their giftedness and of their calling as a servant of the Lord. Planted a church. I planted a church back in uh, 1998. We actually started uh, early service up in Sandia Park when I was pastor at Harris. So for one year, I pastored to Harris, and, and we did an early service, so we would load up equipment from the church, go up to the community center, set it up. It was a brand-new community center. Uh, we would have a worship service and bring everything back down in time for the morning worship service at the Harris. Uh, about a year later, God had laid it on my heart that I was the one to pastor that, uh, so I left uh, to Harris and pastored Vista Grande Church. For 12 years... Uh, we set up and tore down in that community center. There was a period of time we had to switch to the, to the elementary school while work was being done at the community center. But for 12 years, servants in the church set up and tore down, never complained about it. In fact, it was a time of fellowship for us. During that time, our young children were involved. My grandkids would mop the floors at the end of the service. Everybody was involved in putting up chairs at the end of the service. When we served at the community center, we found ways to help them. We initially would go in and we would strip and wax the floors every once in a while for them. We would do extra things for the community center to help them out. It's through those things that we develop great relationships with the director and with others in the community. 
that's where the church began to really thrive. When we saw people sacrificing and serving and giving of their time and their efforts and enjoying it. Uh, you know, when you, when you bring your kids to church, you want them to want to come rather than drag them. When I was very young, uh, we were a member of a, a different church, uh, more of a, a not an evangelical church. And, uh, man, I hated going to church because uh, I sat with my brother in the back pew of the church, and we would mess around, and we'd get in trouble. Um, and, you know, the old pinch on the thigh and, and the, the looks from the choir loft were devastating to us at times. And I didn't like to go to church. But when you bring your kids to the body of Christ that is serving the Lord, and they get to experience and be a part of serving themselves. They get to be a part and see how worthy, how much worth they have, how valuable their being there and their being a part of things are. You don't have to drag them to church. They want to go. They want to be a part of doing God's service. And as they get older, that just becomes a natural characteristic of who they are. That's why it's so important that we understand that the church isn't just an option. It's a necessity because God calls people out for specific ministry and service through the church. Fifth, as born-again believers, we are to be accountable to our Lord and to the local body of Christ. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Listen, there has to be accountability. We need accountability. We read every year how many different pastors or ministers or people in church fall away from the church, fall into sin, uh, get into all kinds of problems because they are not part of a body of Christ that they are accountable with and responsible to. Uh, church discipline is, is something that we don't like to talk about, but when God tells us that he disciplines us as a father does a son, we understand it. And the same kind of discipline and accountability is present and should be present in the body of Christ. We should want that in our relationships within the church. We should have those kinds of relationships of honesty and integrity. And when we can have a group of people or some individuals that we can go to and say, hey, how, how, what do you see in my life? Tell me how I'm doing. Give me some input. Help me stay strong. Help me stay on the right path. And they love us enough and they care enough about us to be honest with us. And then when we do fall, they seek to restore us just like it talks about in Galatians chapter 6. We need the accountability, folks. It's too easy in the world in which we live to go astray, to be taken off track, to get out of alignment with the will and the way of God. And through that accountability, we have spiritual leaders who oversee us, who help us stay in tune with the Lord's will. I love this church. You, you know I do. 
Uh, God has given me a great opportunity and blessing to be able to share his word here in this body. We have joined here. We've committed here because we want to see God do great things through this body. And we are responsible and wonder the authority of those in leadership over us. That's why we pray for them. We pray for Pastor Lamar. We pray for Pastor Gregory, uh, for Pastor David, for those in leadership here. It is a challenging task in making decisions in the world in which we live today especially. So we pray for them to have guidance, but we need the accountability. We want the discipline, or we should, because that helps us stay in tune with what God is doing in our life and keeping us in alignment with his will. Sixth, <clears throat> the body of Christ reproduces itself through the starting of churches, missions, and ministries. Uh, this was the purpose of Paul's three missionary journeys. Uh, we are a local body of believers who do missions, uh, outreach into our community, but we are also global. We have a global responsibility as well to reach out to the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. That happens through the body of Christ. That's how God reaches out to those different communities. We are local as well as global, and we have a purpose. In Albuquerque, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, there were two main churches in this area. There was First Baptist Church, Albuquerque, and there was Fruit Avenue Baptist Church of Albuquerque. Out of those two churches, each one planted uh, about 11 or 12 churches up here in the Northeast Heights. From those churches, uh, there is just a network that has come out of them where they also have planted churches and, and where we have seen the, the, the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ grow throughout many, many years. We're still planting churches. As a matter of fact, there's about five new church plants going right now in our area. We are not... Any one church is not the all-in-all -all in a community. We need as many churches in the community to reach as many people as we can reach with the gospel as is necessary. And we are way behind the curve on impacting our entire community, the region, the metro area of Albuquerque, with the churches that we have. Not by lack of desire, but by lack of ability. And so we see churches being planted. That happens through the body of Christ. A church sends out someone into a community to establish a body of believers, to establish a church, to encourage it, strengthen it, support it, help the pastor grow in reaching out and accomplishing the work that needs to be done. That's a very important and vital task that every body of Christ should be a part of. <clears throat> and seventh, the body of Christ is the place where you can pray for one another, where you can confess your sins to one another and restore those who have fallen into sin. Paul constantly asked the churches to pray for him. In Acts chapter 2, the church gathered together for fellowship, prayer, worship, and the study of his word. James writes in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, he said, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray with each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
Now, certainly we pray online, and it's good. God hears our prayers, and we should be praying with people, with one another. We should be confessing our sins to one another. But again, there is a bit of a different dynamic when we're actually in the presence of one another in prayer. In Acts, the early church, when they prayed to God after Peter and John were in prison, says that the walls of the house shook. It was so powerful. That's the kind of prayer meetings that we have. It's not just praying for needs. It's praying for the power of God to work in us and through us. It's not praying for God always to take away the challenges, but praying for the ability to endure those challenges, to be strengthened through those challenges, to have the ability to walk through the struggles of life so that we may represent Christ well. I'm a believer that going through the struggles of life are the very things that strengthen us in our walk. We need those challenges. We need those struggles. And God's not always going to take them away because if he did so, we would not grow the way we need to grow in many cases. We need to be praying with one another and for one another. And it's in the body of Christ, in that context, that God has designed his church. You see, Jesus loved the church. Jesus is the one who is the head of the church. Jesus is the one who builds the church. The Bible tells us that it, the church is the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. It's the church of the firstborn, the church of the living God, the family in heaven and on earth, the flock of God, the lamb's bride, the pillar and the fountain of, of truth. It is the spiritual house. It is the temple of God. Jesus is the author and builder and owner and Lord of his church. And that's where I want to be. I want to be under his leadership, under his authority, in his body, doing his will and his purpose, fulfilling all that he called me to do as his child. You see, there's importance to being part of the church. Now, let me just reference very quickly here. What we learned a number of months ago when I preached on the church engaged and I preached from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. So let me just kind of remind us of that uh, passage. Let me read it for you. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And then I want to just share a few very brief characteristics that are part of the church. The Bible says this, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Now, you remember a couple of things from that. Number one, the church was of one heart and mind. That is where the body of Christ comes in alignment with the will of God. The body of Christ 
follows the leadership of the church. God gives a pastor and the elders or the deacons and, and other spiritual leaders a vision of where he wants this body of believers to go. Every church is unique. Every church has its own DNA. Every church has its own fingerprint, but the characteristics of the church are always the same. And for a church to have the impact that it needs to have, it has to be of one heart and one mind. In other words, the goal has to be the same, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim the kingdom of God to the community around them and globally. We need that. So every ministry of the church, every Sunday school class, every family group, every children's ministry, youth ministry, everything needs to be in alignment with the will and the purpose of God and the vision God has given for that particular church. Uh, now, I have back issues, and I think some of you all do as well. And there are times uh, I can get up or turn just right, and it turns out really wrong, where you don't end up getting up because you can't, and you have to go to, to a chiropractor. And that chiropractor will take and abuse your body to get everything in alignment and eventually, after about two days, you're, you don't have the pain and discomfort, and you're able to walk the way you're supposed to walk and do the things you're supposed to do. Sometimes we need that spiritual chiropractic treatment to get everybody in the body of Christ, every ministry of the church, in alignment with the vision God has given for that church so that it becomes a healthy church and a church that can fulfill the vision that it's been given. The second thing we see here... They shared everything. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Now, specifically, this is talking about possession things, uh, but it also involves their personal uh, abilities and, and, and giftedness. Uh, it also means that they didn't take ownership of anything. One of the great defaults in the church sometimes is when we take ownership of a ministry, uh, of, a, of something in the church. All of a sudden now it's ours and we are to control it. That's not the way it works. Christ owns everything. We're just stewards of what he has given us. And we have to be willing and able to give up our possessions for the benefit and the glory of Christ in his body. We don't do it out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility we consider others more important than ourselves, and that's what we see in this early church. Third, they testified of the resurrection. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. Folks, that's the main thing that we're supposed to be doing. Colossians 1.28 says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or complete in Christ. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're supposed to be about. And every ministry of the church needs to be focused on that one thing, to proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom, with the purpose that we may present everyone complete in Jesus Christ. What a great vision that is of the church or what it should be. And finally, they made sacrifices for those who were in need. That was, that's the compassion ministry. 
In Matthew, it tells us that Jesus went about every town and village proclaiming the gospel and uh, teaching and preaching the gospel and healing the sick. So there's three areas that really we see in Jesus' ministry. It was the preaching of the word. And by the way, the preaching is the proclamation. That's not the interactive process. That's where the word of God is proclaimed. The good news is proclaimed to the lost world. Then there's the teaching. That's where we have discipleship, uh, which is not only knowledge, but learning how to walk with one another in a, in a hostile world. And then the healing, which is the compassion ministry of the church. That's why we do things like help feed the poor, those who are down and out, deal with people who are homeless, help with people that are sick in, in their home or in the hospital, comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them, uh, pray for them. Those three areas of ministry are, are vital to what we do as a body of believers. And that's what we find in the church in, in the first century, uh, that they sacrificed for the needy so that from time to time, those that had owned lands or houses sold them and brought them money from the sales. Now, that was not something that was demanded. That was something that the Holy Spirit did in the heart of men and women within the body to say, hey, I am, I am touching your heart. You have these things which I have given to you as a good steward. You should use them to help meet the needs of others who are hurting and in need. God does that, and it's such a wonderful thing, and we've seen that happen in so many wonderful ways throughout the church history. When there is a, a sacrificial, a culture of sacrificial giving, when that is present in the body of Christ, needs are met, and I pray that will always be the case in the body of Christ, the church. Well, there is much more that we could look at, but we're going to, to leave it here. Listen, the body of Christ, the church, his church, his bride, is what we get to be a part of by his will and his purpose and his calling. And we need to understand that it is essential that we are part of a body of Christ and not avoid it, not try to do something else. Too many times people are, are just looking for a, a place to meet or go to that meets their needs. And when they don't like something that happens, they jump ship and go somewhere else. A body of Christ is a local body that should be embraced by those in the community who are Christ so that they can fulfill the mission and the purpose and the calling. That happens when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Listen, when you become a new creation in Christ, the Holy Spirit gifts you, and he gives you a purpose, and he gives you value to help proclaim his kingdom within the body of believers. And that happens when we confess and acknowledge our sin. Uh, when we come before God and, and we recognize that we have done things wrong in our life, that we are, are sinners, that we're separated from God. And that the only way that we can come into a right relationship with him is through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shared his own blood for us. The shepherd sacrificed himself for the lambs. And he went to a cross, died, and rose again. The Bible tells us that if we come into Jesus and we acknowledge our sin, confess it, 
turn from our sin in repentance and put our faith in him, believing that what he did was sufficient to pay the price for our sin, that we will be saved. And maybe this morning that's where you're at. Billy Graham once said that he thought that maybe 80% of the people in churches were not true believers. They were religious, but they didn't have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And maybe you're there today. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you want to be with him. You want to be with his family, your family, in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to pray this morning and ask forgiveness for your sin and place your faith in Jesus. And as a follower of Christ, listen, church should never be something that becomes a task. It can become just as religious as any other legalistic religious thing in your life. This is about relationships. This is about family. We should have a desire to meet with one another and really a desire that, that just aches when it doesn't happen. And I've shared this with, with pastors. I really believe that when the doors are back open, it'll never be like it was maybe, but when the doors are able to be open, that there's going to be such a great sense of relationship and fellowship and love for one another. Like coming home after being gone for maybe years and seeing family you haven't seen for so long. So I pray that maybe that will happen and that you would pray for that and desire it in your own heart. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And I thank you for your church. It's not ours. We don't own it. We are part of the body of Christ through faith in Jesus. And we have giftedness and responsibilities. We have a purpose. And there's value in each and every person who is your child. There are gifts in each and every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ that needs to be used and grown and magnified through the body of Christ. There are people in the body of Christ right now, I believe, who you would call out to serve you in various ways, uh, teaching or ministering, uh, maybe preaching, uh, however, God, you would call them, maybe even out to missions uh, locally or globally. God, the body of Christ confirms that because we can see it. We can experience it in their lives. We can affirm that calling and that preparedness. God, I just pray you will work through your church and your people to draw us tightly together for your glory and your honor and your kingdom. Help us to see the great value of your church, that it is essential. It's not optional for your children. And I thank you for that. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to uh, have Pastor Gregory, who's going to come and share an announcement with us here this morning. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you very, very much for we praise God for you using your giftedness here at Hoffmantown Church. Amen. This announcement is is not part of our pre-recorded from from Drew. We just wanted to let you know that um, a new 
New Mexico public order from the health order from the, from our governor. It, it goes into effect December 2nd, and we are now able to open up at 25%. So especially with everything that Pastor John has said today, we want to welcome you in. All those who are online, all those who feel comfortable, we encourage you to come back and, and be with us uh, be with us next week, okay? So thank you, Pastor John. Amen. And we'll be uh, discussing the other ministries. We'll be huddling in prayer. Please pray for us as we, as we pray about the other ministries that are within the church. Okay.